Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, welcome to episode 90, the season finale of uh, season 9. This is very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, as always, for finales, we've got uh, uh, d- little, little deck building challenges for you. Uh, and so last week we had mentioned that, uh, you know, as we're coming up on the new year, or I guess, I mean, it's the new year now, happy new year. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, as we, uh, are now in Magic's 30th anniversary, we figured we'd take a look at Magic's past with a little format that, uh, everyone knows as EDH. Uh, I'll travel back to 20, I don't know, 10. Because all of these cards have all uh, were all printed before any Commander product came out. Uh, so that's that's the restrictions. Yeah. Uh, Commander deck, well, EDH deck, uh, all printed before Commander. Yeah. Before before Commander uh, Commander decks were, were printed. Um, it was interesting. I I, I heard today. That Wizards of the Coast in the year of 2022 made mm-hmm. 425 different commanders, different legendary oh creatures. Um, as you'll see from our decks, they were not making commanders in that at that rate before they were <laughs> yeah. making commander decks. I uh, I did a quick little search, and uh, before where is it? Um, the <laughs> So you said 425? Is that yes. What you said? Yes, this year. Um, I looked up how many legendary creatures were printed as now le- uh, commander legal commanders. Um, 443 before the commander set. Yeah. So that's uh, one and the same number. Yeah, so roughly the first 20 years of commanders, uh, the first 20 years of magic produced the same number of legendary creatures. As we got this year. Amazing. Right. Um, I know that I have a few in here as well. Well exciting. I might have a I I might have a I might have one or two myself. (laughs) You could say that. How is how is this process for you? I mean, obviously Scryfall makes it pretty easy. Well, it does, but at the same time, I think the main difficulty for me with this one was um, so many of the mainstays mm-hmm. that show up in my decks over and over again just aren't there. So, yeah. so many of the of the of those reliable cards that you use with particular colors are cards that have been printed since you know since Wizards started printing Commander product. It just made it really difficult to try and to try and round off the deck. I mean, oftentimes I found that you know. Those last fifteen cards are usually just sort of, oh, I need I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this, and most of those weren't available, so it mm. proved to be a little bit more of a challenge uh, to me to try and uh, make the deck work and uh, <clears throat> and fit it together. So, yeah, and and for me, I it, not that I had necessarily the the opposite experience, uh, but like I feel like a lot of a lot of well-known cards came out before the Commander sets were right. being released. Um, and 
I mean, going, I mean, obviously we've got things like Soul Ring. Right. Um, but like going through even just like the, the sets of colors that I was playing, um, I was like, oh, this was okay. You know, the, the, the cards weren't as old as I thought. Uh, or like the 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 like set the the, the subset of cards that we're using yeah. um, reaches further to recent time than I had realized, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, I mean, but it also kind of shows how much how how off the Royale's commander has kind of gone. Uh, right. Once Wizards started focusing on right. It. I mean, Lorwyn is still within the range of cards we're looking at. Future site, so you do get uh, a lot of those unusual cards that often show up, and people have forgotten that they were in Lorwyn to begin with. So, yeah, um, planeswalkers were in Lorwyn, so you know, there's that. Yeah, so it's uh, <clears throat> it was uh, it made for an interesting uh, deck building exercise to try and stick with just the old stuff. Commander, uh, the commander set consisting of four decks, five decks, five decks came out in June 2011. Um, and so the most recent set by that point, any guesses? Not sure, no. New Phyrexia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the end of the, the Scars Mirrored and Besieged and New Phyrexia block. Um, <clears throat> and that came out in May. So it was very short after that. So anything from New Phyrexia and before... Uh, is is up for fair game, right? Uh, which which is nifty. Well, Andy, do you want to be the you want to jump in and uh, we'll talk about your deck for the first half? Sure. Uh, so, starting off, my deck uh, is uh, inspired, I guess, by uh, a sixty card deck that actually kind of got me into Magic. Uh, it was one of the first decks that I played, and it was your Goblin deck, Bruce. Uh-huh. Um, so my my commander. Uh, is Wart Boggart Auntie uh, for red, black, and two. It's a 3-3 Goblin Shaman. Uh, she has Fear, which means it can't be blocked by black creatures, or it can't be blocked except for by black creatures and artifact creatures, right? Yes. I think. Um, and then at the beginning of my upkeep, I may return target Goblin card from my graveyard to my hand. A very, very simple very straightforward. Uh, it's from it's what I like to see from commanders, where it's not too like oh do a thing draw a card. It like has things that can synergize with other things rather than just general rules text. You know, right? Um, it kind of aims you in a direction, but it also can stand up on its own, which is what I always like to see from commanders. Um, so where I first got off on on my journey here um, was I just kind of <laughs> typed into uh, Scryfall, hey, give me goblins. Uh, but then I remembered uh, some things from your 60-card deck, Bruce, uh, that I needed to make sure that I kept in mind. Uh, so what, what did you have in mind? Lor- uh, Lorwyn brought uh, tribal... Uh, cards tribal instants and sorceries right um which i found very helpful in this deck because uh fodder launch for three and a black it's a sorcery it's a tribal sorcery goblin 
Uh, and it says, as an additional cost, cast fodder launch sacrifice goblin. Sure, fine. We'll see later how right. many goblins I have in this deck. I'll give you a hint. It's a lot. Uh, target creature gets minus five, minus five till end of turn, and fodder launch deals five damage to that creature's controller. It's pretty good because it ha because it is a goblin card. Wart can bring it back to my hand at the beginning of my upkeep. Right. So that's kind of what this whole deck is based around is just that interaction. It kind of branches off from there, and you'll see uh, further uh, shenanigans from from there. Um, right. It, yeah. Right. And my sixty card deck was really focused very much on that. Um, that and the um, oh, what's the other one? Boggart Birthright. Uh, no, I was thinking about the other one that um, Mog War Marshal. No, uh, that deals damage. It wasn't a Goblin card though. Oh, oh, I have no idea. I'm, not, I'm blanking uh, on it. But there's I'll, also Tarfire for uh, a single red. Yeah, it's it's essentially just shock, but it has the 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 type Goblin. Yeah, um, which is good. Um, kind of to just go through these this, sure. this category quickly. Bogger Birthright uh, returns target, target Goblin card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, I've put enough recursion in this deck that hopefully I'll never have to cast Wart more than once from the command zone. Um, but even so, she's a four mana creature, uh, so like it it wouldn't be too hard to cast her you know two or three times total. Uh, but there's enough recursion in this deck that. It could either get her back to my hand or the battlefield, um, or certain goblin pieces that that'll help out. Right. Um, Bogger Birthright is a goblin card. Bogger Shenanigans is two and a red. Uh, whenever another goblin you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you may have Bogger Shenanigans deal one damage to target player. Uh, there's a lot of just. Small instances of incidental damage, uh, which is just kind of fun. Uh, right. It does the goblin thing, which is just kind of pick at people. Uh, fodder launch, I talked about. Tarfire, I talked about. Warden weirding is a one uh, and a black sorcery. Target player sacrifices a creature. If a goblin was sacrificed this way, that player puts two one one black goblin rogue creature tokens onto the battlefield. Those tokens gain haste until end of turn. So. Uh, this is flexible, which is nice. And with Wart, it comes back to my. It could come. It could be one of many choices that could come back to my hand. Um, and it's flexible in the way that I could target, obviously, a big threat on the other side of the board, or uh, I could target my own thing uh, and get like target, say, a one-one red goblin token, uh, and get two black goblin rogues that have haste. So yeah, pretty easy, pretty simple. Um, pretty great art throughout. I, I, I kind of came to a head after the next couple sections where it was just a lot of just like, all right, here's goblins that were in this subset of cards. Um, but I figured I'd, I'd go through and talk about certain specific ones. Um, I've got classic goblin tools, um, which are just kind of cards that you always see in goblin decks. Um, Bombardment, Chieftain, uh, Goblin King, Goblin Matron. Goblin Matron I like because uh, it's a three-mana tutor for a goblin. 
Uh, so you can find... I mean, I'm not huge on tutors, but it's red, so it's like, this is the only one. Uh, <laughs> and if she dies, I can get her back to hand with Wart. So that's always nice. Yeah. Kind of go through that and figure out, like, oh, yeah, no, I can tutor up a, a few pieces um, through, through a few turns. Um, Mad Auntie is there because, obviously, she buffs up your goblins, but also you can regenerate goblins. Yeah, it's a nice way to keep Wart on the battlefield. As much as you don't, you know, as much as you want to be, I mean, your deck is going to bring Wart back from the graveyard over and over. The difficulty is that it's at the beginning of the upkeep is when you want Wart on the battlefield. So Mad Auntie does a great job of mm. regenerating regenerating Wart as opposed to having to get it back out of the out of the graveyard and preferably before your upkeep hits. Uh, Skirk Prospector just kind of it's. It's not necessarily ramp, but it's uh, big mana when you need it or before a board wipe. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren Instigator is just fun because you're like you're not cheating out much. Uh, <laughs> like with pre EDH goblins, like I think the biggest here, the biggest goblin creature, uh, Goblin Marshal, I think, is six mana, but. Uh, all you're doing is getting, you know, a handful of goblin tokens from it. Like it's it's not doing much. Um, so that's those are like the the classic goblin tools. Um, I like Goblin Ringleader. I know it's been reprinted many times. Uh, it's a four mana two two with haste. When it enters the battlefield, we're top reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all goblin cards into your hand. Uh, and the rest on the bottom of the library in any order. Uh, so this is like the only card draw in this deck. And again, I think the value <laughs> comes from the fact that like you have ways of sacrificing creatures. You've got wart and other recursion techniques in this deck. Uh, and right. it's just uh, it's great to get goblins back into your hand. Yeah. Um, Goblin Tinkerer I really enjoy because of the recursion factor. There are so many cards in this deck that I, I just kept going through, and I was like, oh, this like this doesn't seem great because it's a one-time effect, but it's not because of Wart, um, because I'll be getting these things out. Goblin Tinkerer is a 1-2 two for 2, uh, and you can pay red and tap. Uh, destroy target artifact. That artifact deals an amount of damage equal to its casting cost to Goblin Tinkerer. So as long as it's more than two, right? Like you're taking out a soul ring, you're taking out uh, skull clamp, you're taking yeah. out a bunch of small things. But also, like if you need to take out that bolus's citadel, like it'll die, but then you can get it back next turn, so it's yeah. not really an issue. Um, right, and that's kind of why I like Goblin Tinkerer, especially in the early or the late game. I mean, mm. by the late game, you have ways to recur it, so it's not an issue, and it's going after their big targets. And in the early game, yeah, I mean, hey, if you can get a soul ring, I mean, that's just free, you know. Ooh, one red, yeah. oh no. Uh, it, it, yeah, the benefit's there on both sides of the game, so I like that. I like Gem Palm Incinerator for the, the recursion factor. Uh, it's a 2-1 for <clears throat> one and, or for two and a red, and it says whenever, or it's got cycling for one and a red, and it says whenever you cycle Gem Palm Incinerator, you may have a deal X damage to target creature, where X is the number of goblins in play. So you have a lot of goblins out, you cycle this, you deal X damage to a creature, 
Um, and then uh, next turn, you get it right back in your hand. <laughs> There's really no downside to, to cycling this if you have wart on the board. I one one that I hadn't seen before, which I really like, was Drownloose Crusade. It's yeah. an enchantment, and a lot of these, a lot of the cards uh, that I've got, I'll talk about after this one. Um, but it's one black and a red for an enchantment. This says all goblins get plus one plus one. Great, our black sure, and our zombies. Um, most of that doesn't help, <laughs> but it's a three man enchantment that makes your one ones two twos. Period. Um, but also then you, you match it up with things like blo uh, Bad Moon, which is one in a black enchantment for black creatures get plus one, plus one. Right. Uh, so now you're, all your goblins have plus two, plus two, regardless of if they started out as red, red. Right. Uh, uh, you've got Ashenmore Liege, which, I mean, I feel like are always staples in two color decks. Uh, this says other black creatures you control get plus one, plus one, other red creatures you get control get plus one plus one uh and then whenever ashamore liege becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls that player loses four life uh which is pretty cool and then let's see goblin shrine really only belongs in goblin decks obviously but it <laughs> it's very weird how the card is written i i, I haven't seen the the errata text but it says if target land is a basic mountain all goblins gain plus one plus oh. Goblin Shrine deals one damage to all goblins if it leaves play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like nobody's going to be really bothered by this uh, to get rid of it unless they like get rid of all enchantments. Right. Uh, They're wiping yeah. all enchantments. For the most part, you're not playing the shrine unless your goblins are getting a bonus anyway. Because mm. then, you know... If they take a point of damage, well, they've all, they're all at least two toughness. You should be fine. But yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, card that I really liked was Quest for the Goblin Lord. I really like this as like a turn one play. It's a one. Red, it's a single mm -hmm. red enchantment. Uh, whenever a goblin enters battlefield, put a, a quest counter on it. As long as que uh, Quest for the Goblin King has five or more quest counters on it, creatures, creatures, all creatures you control get plus two plus out. So again, only front end. Uh, buffing, but like still worth it because you're doing goblins. Right. Voracious Dragon, I thought was a really cool card. Uh, three red, red for a four, four flying. Devour one, which means as this comes into play, you may sacrifice any number of creatures. This creature comes into play with that many plus one, plus one counters on it. And uh, when Voracious Dragon comes into play, it deals damage to target creature or player equal to twice the number of goblins it devoured. So oh, nice. this this could win the game. Just before needing to attack, before anything, like, because this can go face, just count up your right. goblins, play this, destroy all your, or sacrifice all your goblins, and deal twice that damage. It's fantastic. Yeah. As for, I've got a whole goblin token uh, section here. And none of it's, like, too out of the ordinary. It's all very typical. You get goblin token, or two, or three, or four. Yeah. Or with goblin offense, uh, goblin offensive, you get X, which is really nice because you might be late game and have, like, a lot of mana. Uh, Empty the Warrens has Storm, which is cool. Yeah. So for each, each time it's cast through Storm, you get two. Uh, Chancellor of the Forge is interesting because... 
if you have it in your opening hand, you can reveal it, get uh, a 1-1 red goblin, uh, and then when it enters the battlefield, put X 1-1 red goblin creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures you control, so you're essentially doubling your creatures. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for recursion, for recursion's sake, just because uh, I want wart out on the battlefield as often as possible because that just kind of, what's the word? Well, it, it's, like, a, it's a linchpin for the deck. It creates that free recursion that you can just sort of start yeah. to churn your way along. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's cardless recursion just simply by the fact of it being on the battlefield. Um, which, honestly, this deck, uh, Graveyard Hate would be its worst enemy. Um, which, of course. But this relies so much on the, the graveyard. Uh, but uh, I guess in here, the things that I really enjoyed were uh, a Fetto Dredging. Return up to three target creatures uh, of the creature type of your choice from graveyard to your hand. Yeah, nice. Uh, obviously, it's goblin. Um, Necromantic Thirst, I think, is really nice. It says whenever enchanted creature deals combat damage to a player, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Attach that to Wart. Wart has fear. So if nobody's playing black or artifact creatures, uh, it's getting through for, right. uh, for three. And... Um, you're getting Wart's trigger essentially another time in a round, which is nice. And that's kind of where I was like stuck for a bit. Uh, I guess I was stuck a little bit before the recursion. I was like, I don't know what to do with the rest of this deck. I, I uh, like you said, so many of the cards that I naturally are inclined to go toward are like commander cards, cards that have come out since Commander started, since Wizard right. started thinking about uh, Commander. And then I realized I need to do ramp. <laughs> I was like, uh, this deck needs to do more than just get wart out on turn four. Right. Uh, and honestly, you could probably use more ramp. Uh, a lot of this ramp is obviously artifact-based, just yeah. from the simple fact that it's black and red and old. Bubbling muck is nice uh, for the one turn that you need to like just kind of put everything out on the battlefield. Uh, Cage Sun is an expensive piece uh, in terms of its being six mana. Yeah. Uh, you'd probably choose red for that. Gauntlet of Power, also expensive in many ways. <laughs> Five mana. Right. Choose red again. Yep. Uh, both of those pump up your creatures, which is nice. Gilded Lotus is fine. Uh, Sacrifice is a really cool card that I had never seen before. Oh, yeah? Um, Sacrifice is a one... A one mana interrupt uh, for black. Sacrifice one of your creatures to add uh, to your mana pool a number of black mana equal to that creature's uh, casting cost. So, you know, say you get Chance Oil of the Forge out, you get seven. Uh, it's great. Yeah. Um, That's pretty much the deck. Uh, it's very, very goblin y, obviously. Uh, it's very, like, you could give this to somebody who hasn't played a lot of commander and just like other than say like the like goblin matron like they who knows what they're going for you know like they 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 know how to pilot it because it's very straightforward uh the land is is uh uninspired i guess except for terrain generator which is a card that i feel like i've never seen played before but i feel like it does it does great things. Uh, for two and tap, you can put a basic land onto your hand, from your hand on a battlefield. This has got 
29 basics in it, so. Yeah. Oh, no, that uh, uh, that makes sense. Um, the one that I like, because I forgot to put it in my own in my own deck, it's Miko Koro, the center of the sea. Mm. Uh, I mean, two and tap, each player draws a card. I appreciate that this costs three mana to draw a card, and we're giving a card to your opponents, but deck needs to draw cards, and if it means other people get to draw cards, well, you know, it's not great, but... <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna draw cards, so um, so I like that addition to the deck. I think that's a, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, um, I think the interesting part to me about this deck is that this is very much a goblin deck playing the long game, mm. and you don't see that with goblin decks. Anybody who's running a goblin deck in you know in even in commander, they're likely looking to try and get you know one person out quick. And then, you know, try and build up for a second shot somewhere along the way and then hope for some help. That's not the case for Wart. Wart is quite happy to just churn, get some value, punish people for swinging your way or looking at you funny. And, yeah. and just sort of keep hanging in there until it's down to a one-on-one. And then you just start hammering away at them. So Honestly, I feel like if this card was printed today, it would have green in it. I feel like it would be a, a jund... Yeah. Probably a four mana still three three, same text, uh, and I feel like it would just be a value machine through and through, uh, and probably more ways obviously to ramp and to draw cards. But <laughs> you know that's green for you, right? Um, yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun making this deck because I think like I there were less cards in this deck that I didn't know than I thought. I would right. find. Like, I thought, you know, I I pictured in my mind uh, this format being, I don't know, or, like, this subset of cards being, like, extremely, like, niche, but also <clears throat> I, I pictured it being, like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I didn't think I would see, like, Squee, Goblin Nabob, and I didn't think... I, I honestly didn't even realize that Wart would be in this subset. I think... I, as somebody who started playing Magic five years ago, I pictured Commander, the Commander product, having been much earlier than mid-2011. Right. But, uh, you know, I've been playing Magic for almost half of what Commander's been around. So (laughs) it's been a very interesting uh, experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, obviously, as always, if you want to check out the deck list, we've put it in the show notes. Um, and we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Bruce's deck. Oh boy! This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Goblin Offensive. Goblin Offensive. They certainly are. All right, we're back, and uh, <clears throat> we uh, we we're we're continuing on this this fantastic trend of of making decks. Uh, man, we've talked about so many decks this season, uh, and we've got one more for you. It's it's made by our very own Bruce. <laughs> hey hey. Uh, <laughs> as as stated before, these decks, uh, the cards had to have been printed before the uh, commander decks. I guess were released, um, which was set uh, expansion code CMD. Yeah. 
so pretty easy to find on on uh, Scryfall. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Bruce, what do you what do you have for us? So I went uh, way back, uh, all the way back to Invasion, and I picked uh, a legendary creature, Captain Sisse. Captain Sisse is uh, two, a green and a white, for a two-two uh, legendary creature, and uh, her ability is uh, she taps. And search your library for a legend or legendary card. Reveal that card and put it in your hand. Then shuffle your library. Normally, I am not a fan of any kind of a tutor effect. Um, I think it Mm -hmm. makes games repetitive. And I do my best to avoid using them uh, in decks. Uh, However, I had a 60-card deck that ran Captain Sisse. And, you know... I filled it full of a bunch of legends and just loved the way it played. Not because it was super consistent, but because <clears throat> the the search forced me to build a deck that was basically all legendary. Mm. Um, and uh, the real issue with the, at least with the 60 card deck, was you really didn't need a lot of ramp. Because with the 60 card deck, once you got the Captain Sisse out, then you would tap cap. You would tap the captain to go find legendary land, and that sixty card big brain play, big brain play, right? And that sixty card deck was, I think, it was three or four different colors because hey, it wasn't a commander; it was just a sixty card deck. Um, so you would find the old legendary lands that could, you know, that would tap for particular colors. You just search out the one you needed, put it out on the battlefield, and away you go. And there are a lot of legendary lands that you can go search mm. for. So, so when building a commander deck, though, um, well, now I'm down to just two colors. So the ability to go and search for lands as a way as a way to up your ramp package is a little bit more limited. Now, I've put forty lands in the deck. Of those, only 12 are basics. And a lot of the other cards in the deck are either duels or legendary creatures. So, or sorry, a legendary uh, legendary lands. So there are cards that will go out there and get you the, the land you're looking for. But uh, uh, primarily, Captain Sisse is going to be uh, working more the way you would expect the captain to. You're going to go find legendary creatures and get them into your hands so that you can cast them out. Um, so it it works a little more traditionally than you might expect because that 60-card deck just turned into a, a churn for my opponents because I was just constantly searching for everything I needed. So, um, And uh, this one doesn't quite do that, but it does all right. So um, <clears throat> let's sort of get started here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start about let's let's start with the the I think the bizarre part. Um, there is very little card draw in white and green pre pre commander. <laughs> there just is. You're just not going to get that much card draw. Um, of the cards that I would include in card draw was Reki, the history of Kamigawa. It's a one two creature, costs two and a green. It says whenever you play a legendary spell, draw a card. Now, this is a legendary creature, <clears throat> so there is a good chance that if I'm concerned that my hand size is going to dwindle down, 
I'm going to go find Recky, and I'm going to do that fairly quickly. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Recky's the only option. Um, the other piece to keep in mind, though, is that this is Captain Sisse. In the end, as long as you're not attacking with her, on, on your last opponent's turn, you're, you can tap her, and she's essentially draw a card. Because you're all, there's always going to be another legendary card that you can get with Captain Sisse. Even if there's no legendary creature that you think is appropriate at this time, you just use it. Thin your deck. Yeah. Uh, you know, find find the find a card you think could work. Put it in your hand. Draw your card for the next turn and decide from there how you want to how you want to do this. Um, between the captain and Recky, I know there's only two. That's only two cards that draw cards, and uh, putting yourself at risk doing that. But you will draw a lot of extra cards, which even with just those two. So. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know if you had mentioned this, um, so sorry nope. if I'm repeating you. Uh, Reki says whenever you play a legendary spell, so even legendary lands will... Or no, I guess they're not spells. Never mind. Yeah. Forget I said anything. However, I will say that if you go and look at the list, um, there is a ton. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess the next part, um, I want to talk a little bit about the ramp package Um Mostly because the ramp package is probably the the area that's that's weakest in that you know I can't search for legendary stuff that's going to do this that's going to be included in the ramp package. Um, I, I went with a lot of the older traditional stuff here, so cultivate birds of paradise, land tax, Morari's um, wake. I put Omnath in here mostly because I like the idea of Omnath. Um, and and mm. he's le- and he's legendary. So um, yeah, a lot of the other ramp, at least some of the initial ramp that I was finding, was a lot of artifacts and artifacts or creatures that tap for land, and it was making me nervous because one board wipe <laughs> and suddenly you know I'm sitting in a position where I can tap for eight mana and then all of a sudden I'm down to four. And mm. I didn't like I I didn't like the way that was setting up. So I tried to make sure not to have too many. I've got Utopia Tree and Birds of Paradise as creatures that tap for land. Obviously, Omnath is there, but I mean that thing's a house if people don't deal with it immediately. So, um, mm. so I opted for that. And again, I will use Captain Sisse to find some lands. Um, Igonjo Castle, uh, Flagstones of Trocare, looking down through the list. Okina Temple to the Grandfathers, Pendlehaven. These are all cards all that you can search for. Yeah. I included Sarah's Sanctum, um, yep. mostly because I initially wanted Sarah's Sanctum in here because I thought I was going to have a lot more enchantments than I actually do. Mm-hmm. Given the final, the final setup for the for the way the, <laughs> the way the deck is set up now, I'd probably pull it. Um, you've got four. Uh, nope. Yeah, you've got four yeah, there's, enchantments. What is it? Aura uh, shards, and I think there's a handful of others. You've got Aura shards, you've got Marari's Wake, Land Tax, and then one finally, Runetail uh, Flips. Runetail's Essence is a uh, it is an enchantment. Right. So, uh, including a $300 card <laughs> that's only ever, that's likely only going to tap for one mana. Maybe, mm. not, maybe not ideal. So, um, like I said, I, I put it in there because of mostly because you can search for it with Captain Sisse, um, but if you search for it and then you can't tap for white, then what was the point? Um, 
I've got Untadaki here. Pay two life, add two to your mana pool, spend the mana only to play legendary spells. Well, I mean, that's kind of tailor-made for the deck. Uh, and I also included Vesuva. <clears throat> Not so much because it's a legendary land, but because it can copy any other land. So um, if you have a land that's, you know, that is doing the job for you, go for it. Um, I figured since we were looking at old school, I also included Wasteland, Strip Mine, um, winding canyons as options as well, just because these are older cards that, that or older lands that do some unusual things that mm. have kind of they've they've kind of been outgunned in the you know with uh, with more recent cards. But for here, I thought they were great, so I opted to run those ones. Beyond that, I've got uh, the removal package. I basically just found a lot of the a lot of the cooler cards from. From olden times, uh, there's a couple in here that are worth mentioning. There's uh, Mangrove of, Co of Corondor. Um, mm -hmm. you, you exile a permanent. Now, the difficulty, of course, with Mangrove is that it, you have to exile Mangrove to exile the permanent. So this is a one-use deal. There are ways to get around that so that you can exile them both, put it on the stack, and do something to remove, uh, to pull Mangrove out of, out of there. This deck doesn't mm -hmm. offer that. So it really is a one-shot Mangra is really no different than uh, than your swords to plowshares or you know other cards like that, except it's sitting on the battlefield waiting for an opponent to play something nasty. <laughs> so it's sort of a reminder, and you can search for you can search for Mangra with Captain Sisse. So uh, so there is a piece of removal that you can go find. I will yeah. say though, it's not super fast because you have to tap Captain to find Mangra, play Mangra, and tap it. So unless it, unless you've got a way to give it haste. You could be waiting a little while. So, um, the other one in the removal package was Shell of the Last Kappa. It's a legendary artifact, so that's why it's here. Oh. Um, cost three, and then three more. Tap it. Remove uh, from the game target instant or sorcery that targets you. So you're literally so while it's on the stack. Yeah. <laughs> right. So while it's on the stack, so you have to have three mana hanging around, and your opponent has to be stupid enough to play the card when you have Shell of the Last Kappa out. So I really think this is a card that's there so that if your opponent is looking to target uh, is looking to target you with something, well, then they need a piece of removal first. That's all. Uh, I think you yeah. can slow things down a little bit. Uh, the second ability is you can sack the Shell uh, and play the card that was removed from the game. Well, without paying its mana cost, realistically that's never going to happen no one yeah. no one's going to play into this like that uh the only way you actually make this make any sense is if you're targeting your own stuff mostly because you know you spent eight or, or you spent a pile on an instant or sorcery so that way you can remove your own from the game and then you only have to pay three to re to use it mm -hmm. i still think that's that's pretty sketchy so uh, yeah, the shell is there as a as a deter as a deterrent option, but that's about it. Um, you had mentioned your recursion package, and I know that was essentially the feature of your deck. Mine is more of a, a kind of almost accidental because uh, <laughs> the two pieces of recursion I have they're both legendary creatures, so you can search for them. But one costs five and two white, and the other one costs six and three white. So and, nine and seven. <laughs> right. And I don't have any way to sneak these out on the battlefield. you got to pay for them. So the likelihood of this happening, you know, it, it's going to be tough. Um, 
Now, Rhea Dawnbringer of the two is the, is by far the better one. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. But the joy with these two is that, uh, uh, like I said, you can you can search them out when the time is right, um, and and it puts cards back in your hand. I didn't really go that crazy with the recursion aspect, mostly because Captain Sissy is just going to let me get another card and another card mm. and another card and another card. So you just keep going to get keep going into your library and digging out more. There isn't really a need to go back and do a lot of recursion now. Not, not to say that you won't, but you know, it's it's less of a, a feature. So, um, <clears throat> one of the other options, basically at this point, I started searching for virtually any legendary creature that was of the right colors that could go in the deck. Mm -hmm. um, and what I found was I started to discover that I have a small token theme, and I have a small way to pump creatures. So. Um, as far as tokens, Darien, King of Keldor, uh, was uh, essentially uh, this was a command. This was regularly a commander deck in the early in the early games because you could produce so many tokens. I mean, whenever you're dealt damage, uh, you may put that many one one white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. Uh, so you just don't block. Take fifteen. Okay, now I got fifteen. <laughs> now I have fifteen one ones, and all it takes is Tulsimir Wolfblood. Or Micaeus the Lunark, or mm. you know, any one of the creatures that pumps your other creatures, uh, suddenly your your one ones are now doing double that damage, and they're you know they're coming in like crazy. And um, so, Darian was uh, was a, was often a commander for a lot of white decks in the early in the early going. He's been a little he was he was kind of forgotten for a while because mono white just wasn't very. Right, six mana and mono white wasn't so great, <laughs> but um, take another take another look at Darien, King of Keldor. Once you've got Smothering Tithe and uh, a Smuggler, was it the Smuggler's Tax and, and Smuggler's Share, yeah, or Smuggler's Share and uh, and some of the other uh, recent white cards that will give you a little more card draw and a little more mana. I don't know that mono white is necessarily all that bad, and uh, a commander like. Like Darien, King of Keldor, might be something that uh, uh, that should see a resurgence. So um, I would say even too that, uh, like even without these these pricey cards, I would think that mono white is is like a like it's it's standing up against you know a lot of a lot of decks. Right. Um, I mean, Smuggler Share itself is you know it's a seven dollar card, which like isn't like a lot a lot, but like. It's getting Too rich up for there. my taste. Yeah, um, but I like. I think the the thing with mono white has and will almost always be uh, mono white weenies. So like, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of tokens, a lot of small creatures go wide, uh, and with that, trying to build up uh, these these small things more. So like, instead of one ones, you get a bunch of three threes. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, Darian. Darian seems like a, a solid, a solid choice to to helm that, um, especially with, uh, you know, as much uh, pillow forty kind of stuff in mono white. Uh, sure, you know, you've got your 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 prison whatever 
ghostly right. prison and stuff like that. Well, I mean, um, and even in my uh, the the handful of cards I've got for to pump that, that pump creatures, I mean, I'm Elish Norn Grand. I know that there's new Elish Norn, uh, but you know, Elish Norn Grand Cenobite, it's a great way to shut down your opponent's weenie decks and give yours just an explosion of power. I mean, plus two, oh, plus for sure. two for your own creatures, and minus two, minus two for your opponents. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's taking your 1-1s one and standing them, uh, them up against your opponent's 5-5s, five and they're the same, you know? Right, and um, this is the the joy with Captain Zisse, is that when you're, when you're ready for it and you've got the mana for it, you can go find it. So mm. um, it's something to keep in mind. Uh, Garrett Wildspeaker, mm. when you look at the old cards, it just says Planeswalker Garrett, but uh, trust me, they're legendary. Um, <laughs> And it's a legendary card, so you can go search for Garrick. Um, so you search for Garrick, you play it out, uh, and then immediately untap two target lands. So Garrick ends up only costing you two. But more importantly, you're now at four loyalty, which means the next turn, creatures you control get plus three, plus three, gain trample, and gain trample until the end of the turn. I mean, it's your overrun package built right there. Um, mm. I, I like... I've always liked Garrick Wildspeaker just for the untapped two-target two lands ability. Um, and, you know, every once in a while he's throwing down a beast token, but the ability to untap two lands, you know, on consecutive turns is very handy. So, um, Oh, yeah, that's, that's huge like there. with ramp. Especially where, I mean, you're untapping two lands to essentially play a thing that will probably protect Garrick so that uh, you can ultimate it faster or you know on the next turn whatever but yeah no that's great um right so there's also a handful of creatures that don't really fit into any of the others into any mm -hmm. of the, the 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 slots these are just the legendary <laughs> creatures that you can go dig up um i'm not going to go i'm not going to roll through the list of them but um i think these are primarily interchangeable i think you can you can jump around and do all kinds of, uh, you know, move and shift and decide which of the cards you want to keep and which you don't. I mean, Dosen the Fallen Leaf, players can only play spells, or players can play spells only on their own turns. I love that. Yeah, maybe you don't want to do that, but <laughs> maybe you do, so it's, you know, it's there, but um, yeah, so there's, and there's a handful here that they're there, and uh, they've all got different abilities, and you can decide based on your playgroup how uh, you know how far, how far in do you want to go. I mean, something like uh, Linvala, Keeper of Silence, activated abilities of creatures your opponents control can't be activated. I mean, that might just be a no go in your in your playgroup, but mm. um, it's something to keep in mind. Uh, Miri, Cat Warrior, uh, unless you're playing in a in a very casual environment. This card is probably completely outclassed, and it might be something that you wanna you wanna swap out. But the joy with a deck like this is that you can really have that little package of creature, that package of legendary cards that you can just pull in and out. So you you know you can feel free to swap it, and it keeps the deck fresh all the time. So you're always looking for other stuff. Like I said, we built you know we built these using you know pre EDH uh, restrictions. If you're building Captain Sissy, you, you don't necessarily have to do that. So mm. then you start looking for, for newer cards. They just made 425 Legends this in 2022. 
I'm certain a number of them are legal in this in this commander deck, and uh, you know you could probably you know in, probably swap those out and and really ramp up the power on the on the on this deck if you really want to go that route. Yeah. I, I really like this because, like you were saying, like with the fact that it, this is fairly interchangeable, like nothing uh, is too out of place still, right? Um, and even with like your uh, like some of your removal, like you've got Glissa Sunseeker, which is presumably errated to be legendary. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, you know it's not super great uh it's specifically glissa uh but like it's it's fun to see like oh like these are the cards that uh these are the a lot of these cards are the things that i was thinking about when i was building my deck of like oh like you know these cards from from long ago uh but then it's also nice to see like marari's wake and omnath and uh you know birds of paradise is like a like a timeless card right uh but i mean even looking at some of the the more expensive pieces, uh, land tax uh, is just a great like, just just a great look at what magic is, um, and right. I think that's what I love about most Captain Sisse decks that I see is that it just is this enveloping idea of what is out there in magic. Right, and I mean. You know, don't get me wrong. The you know the deck cost on this one is like two thousand three hundred dollars. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> that's because there's a Savannah in it, and the Sarah Sanctum that I said we could probably pull out. That land tax. The guy is cradle. <laughs> right. Well, no, oh yeah, and the guy is cradle. Uh, but I mean, like the yeah. land tax can be easily removed. Uh, the guy is cradle. I mean, it's in there because it's a legendary card. A legendary card. Um, it's good. It's yeah, yeah it's good. But you can pull it. I mean, it's not, right. you know, this deck isn't going to fall apart without it. So, I mean, feel free to, you know, pick out some of the more expensive stuff. I'm confident I'm excited you can to see... find a replacement for it that's, that yeah. costs a lot less. I'm excited <laughs> to see Mirari's Wake is down to $5. I did not know that, and that makes me very happy. Um, and, <clears> like, <throat> I mean, it, you know, comparing comparing these two decks, I think that it's 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 very interesting the... Like we we picked our lanes and kind of went for it, and to just to see how different, but also not fully dissimilar these decks are, um, right? Is is exciting. I mean, um, we both we both opted to go deep on our theme, mostly because I wanted to see if I could. Right. You know, is there is there enough depth in the card pool for me to actually go deep? I mean, practically speaking, there's probably too many legendary permanents in this deck. <laughs> for it to properly function it should ha probably include a lot of other cards and we, you could take out a lot of the legendary creatures to make it into just a better overall deck and this is this is even staying within the pre-EDH limits or the pre-DH limits um, <clears throat> but I wanted to go this far I wanted to you know to see if we if this could actually you know if you could actually put this deck together and you can mm. you definitely can so. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, like, for me, like, what's special about this deck is that, like, you could also keep going. Like, you could go further with the Legendary. And obviously, with getting rid of the, the pre-EDH restriction, like, you could definitely go further. You know, you've got... We now have Legendary sorceries and stuff. Uh, right. But also, like, 
we've got uh, legendary enchantments and stuff that like you don't see too many of in this, if any, in this deck. I, um, yeah, uh, and then there's you know all the planeswalkers. Mm. That uh, that makes it huge when you can start tutoring for planeswalkers. Now, yeah, you're tutoring for white and green planeswalkers, but um, <clears throat> there are plenty of those out there that can really do some serious damage real quick. So, um, yeah. The, the joy of pre-DH is you're not dealing with uh, just overbearing decks that will that will crush you. The, the cap on these decks is definitely a lot lower than the cap you see nowadays for, for mm. uh, at least for power level. So um, I think this is something you could you could definitely I, I think it makes the, uh, the rule zero conversation. Uh, a little easier because the range is going to be a little tighter. Um, but don't get me wrong, uh, I dirtle I dirtle with the with the new sets, and I'm going to dirtle with the old stuff. So um, <laughs> either way, it's not going to matter. Yeah, I I think uh, kind of going along <clears throat> the same lines. My my favorite thing about this building exercise was uh, the the expectations out of decks and like the idea of staples kind of melts away when you're dealing with your the older cards because uh you know we're we're 11 years removed from that and right. uh it's it's tough to to kind of like put yourself in that that mindset of like all right like what what was everybody playing at the time or um you've got all this experience of uh of retrospection kind of uh in terms of like well now uh these are the things that i i want to be doing with my decks how can i use a card like champion's helm a little bit differently than i would have at the time um and it's just it it was an interesting experience for me someone who's been playing for five years uh in the way that i'm like i want to do the goblin thing uh i i've never had a goblin commander deck and and this is my chance to kind of put it together uh which has been exciting right uh, it's it's also in, interesting to note uh when i was putting these together putting this deck together uh of like cards that I had heard about that I had assumed were expensive because they've been around forever yeah. and uh, they you know they they have a reputation things like Caged Sun right I'm like oh that card's got to be like twelve bucks right it's two fifty like yeah. <laughs> it like because it's six mana it's it become uh, it's just obsolete not, yeah, almost yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's obsolete so. um but like that's what I that's what I like about these cards is that right. because they're doing the EDH spirit thing of like big, big spells doing big things, not super fast. Uh, it's, it's great. I love it. And I loved doing this. Um, yeah. Uh, got anything else? Um, not so much. I think, uh, like you said, I mean, card draw and ramp, are going to be yeah. a little, are going to be a little more difficult, um, but I mean Ravnica's around, so you've got your signets, you've got Soul Ring, yep. Cultivate, Kodama's Reach. All these things are still there. I mean, oh, and the other one, 
three visits. Hmm. <clears throat> When we were playing back in this time, nobody owned three visits because it was only in Portal 3 Kingdoms. It cost a fortune. <laughs> it was impossible to have. And now they're all over the place because they've been It's still it's been yeah, reprinted. it's still fairly up there. It's like a $5 <clears throat> card now, but like, right. you know, it it was an uncommon in in Commander Legends. Right. But a two uh, it's a two mana go get a go get yeah. a forest. I mean, an untapped forest. Yes. It's out there. You just you just need to to dig around and be reminded of of how things how things worked. Yeah. I, I find it very poignant that both of us brought up card draw and the issues with it. And obviously, you know, you had plenty of things to use for ramp because you're in green. Right. But neither of us chose blue. And it's very poignant that both of us had issues with card draw. So, uh, yeah. yeah. The colors definitely... Or at least trying to stay on theme. Colors definitely stayed in their lane a lot more back then. So it was always mm. a little bit more challenging. But... You you make it work. Yeah. Um, So, for the next... uh, You know, this is our season finale. Next two weeks, we're going to have mini episodes. We're going to talk about some cards or something that we'll figure out at some point. Uh, It is now January 4th. Okay. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, And then our next two weeks will be the mini episodes, like I said. Our season 10. It's going to be a big season. Uh, Premieres... January 25th. Nice. Uh, so we'll be back with full-sized episodes at that point. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'm excited to to let you all in on what we've got planned for our, our big countdown to 100. Going to be a good one. Uh, so th- I think that's going to do it for us tonight. If you have a deck of your own that you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at FalsePodMTG. Ever since we were on Brainstorm Brewery... Uh, you know, I I know personally I've got the itch to be on on other people's streams, and so you might see us around. Uh, so keep an eye on Twitter or whatever social media platform of the future, uh, and we'll see in a we'll see you next week, of course. But we'll see you in a couple weeks because we're Temple of False Pod. We're decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I am Andy. I am Bruce. Thanks so much for hanging out for ninety episodes for for sharing us with your friends and such. Go play some magic for me. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a great night. May your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!